It's not strange to want to belong. There's actually a very good spiritual reason why it matters so much to us. Through concepts like social identity, scientists are mapping the effects of belonging to a group on the human psyche. But there's a spiritual endgame that sets the scene for why that longing is there in the first place. We're all destined to end up with a profound integration and sense of belonging in a spiritual community that perfectly fits us, surrounded by people who care deeply about the same causes that we do. And that community is just one of millions, united by love and a common purpose, working together in such amazing complexity and interdependence that you could really only describe it using the word heaven. These are both effects of us slotting into God's divine order. As we draw closer to the divine, we'll actually start to feel more like we belong in our own skin. We'll feel more like ourselves. Well, why can't I have that right now? I know, right? The short answer is that we are in the physical world, so which people we live and work with are a result of physical things, like history or genetics, so there's no guarantee we're emotionally and cognitively a match, but in the afterlife, our emotional and cognitive qualities are what group us. So there's built-in harmony. And to get ourselves sorted out often takes a lifetime of spiritual work, but we will get there. Okay, so how can I be sure I'll fit in my spiritual community? That emotional and cognitive matching I mentioned isn't just a detail managed by some intern. It's a fundamental principle of the spiritual world. Compatibility of spirit is like gravity there. It moves and arranges everything perfectly. And don't forget that God's love is at the control booth for this process. And God knows every detail of the nature of every longing, misgiving, piece of untapped potential that we have. And he's interested in nothing less than us feeling profoundly happy and satisfied. Well then, how can I feel more like myself? It seems counterintuitive that you could become more you, but it's all about what we actually are. Our current conscious experience is bombarded by all kinds of negative and positive spiritual influences, as well as our own superficial baggage. Drawing closer to God, closer to our source, pulls us above the fray and into the life stream that's the core of who we really are. It's going to be a huge relief. If you want to know more about the lifetime of spiritual work I mentioned, see our episodes Regeneration, How Radical Love is Born, and the day-to-day -day process of our salvation. For more about the negative and positive spiritual influences, see our shows The Angels and Evil Spirits with us and How to Deal with Evil Spirits. But the promise we're looking at here is that no matter how out of place you may be feeling now, you will, in time, feel like you belong completely. You will belong in your spiritual community, you will belong in heaven, and you will belong in your own skin. To unpack how that all works, keep watching. You will belong in your spiritual community. We want to belong to something. We want to feel like there's people that we like and they like us and we were meant to be somewhere. We actually measure this through something called social identity. This is from sciencedirect.com. Social identity refers to the way that people's self-concepts are based on their membership in social groups. Social identities are most influential when individuals consider membership in a particular group to be central to their self-concept and they feel strong emotional ties to the group. Affiliation with a group confers self-esteem, which helps to sustain the social identity. And we all have different kinds of, uh, different levels of how much we're in groups and out of groups, but you definitely know the super fans of something or some people who have gotten wrapped up in some kind of cause, and it becomes not just about what the thing is about, 
It's about who they are. It's this very powerful attraction. And it can be really great, but it can have all kinds of negative consequences if we belong to violent or antisocial or even just exclusive groups. So it has the potential for good and belonging and productivity and also for negativity. And in the spiritual world, this is amplified. Because here, if you get up off the couch and go seek it out and happen to live in the right space where there are people, you can go find your group. But in the spiritual world, love is gravity. So what we care about most deeply sucks us toward a certain location in the spiritual world. And it's also pulling all the people who love the same sort of thing together. So you have this automatic, intrinsic grouping together of people whose love and wisdom is similar. So there, you are not just if you're lucky enough to find one, but you're guaranteed this community of like-minded and like-hearted human beings. It doesn't mean you're stuck with this one group of people and you can never go anywhere, but you have this really effective home base that brings you in touch with where you feel like you're meant to be. And we're all destined for this totally sublime form of social identity. This is from Secrets of Heaven. But when the people are one and they have one language, that is when the common good of all is what people focus on. So Swedenborg is alluding to the biblical story of the Tower of Babel, and here saying, look, if you all have the same language, it's when you're looking towards the common good, then no one ever, ever usurps another's happiness or destroys another's freedom, but promotes and increases it as much as possible. That is why heavenly communities seem to form a unit. And this is the effect of mutual love alone, which comes from the Lord. Can you imagine living around a group of people who don't want to take your happiness at all? They don't want to be better than you at all. They don't want to upstage you. They're not worried about, hey, did you walk across my lawn? These are people who everyone around, you know, what they're thinking about when they get up in the morning is the common good. And, and that angelic communities want the common good for each other, but as a unit, all they want to do, even more so than serve each other, is work together to serve the rest of the human race. Think about having social identity with a group like that. I'd like to talk to you about the topic of belonging from a psychological point of view. Many years ago, a woman named Mary Ainsworth and her colleagues are psychologists that studied some social patterns that they saw in young children as they were growing up and becoming attached to their parents. And they, they started to name these patterns. And then other psychologists got really interested in that and they decided to follow those same social patterns into adulthood to see if they continued or not. And this is really relevant to the topic of belonging because if we notice the patterns, then we can decide whether or not there's a need for any kind of therapy because maybe people are struggling with figuring out how to belong to other people in a healthy way. And so Mary Ainsworth and her colleagues, they looked at one group of children and then later adults, and they said, these people are pretty secure emotionally. They feel most of the time positive about themselves, and most of the time they trust other people. And so a the possibility of a long-term relationship is there. That's called a secure relationship. Unfortunately, there's a couple of other kind of patterns that are overall called insecure patterns. One of them is when a person is very negative about themselves, they have poor self-esteem, but they look at other people as very in a positive way. And they even become preoccupied with them. 
This pattern is called anxious and preoccupied. And with this, there's a, almost a longing, oh, I wish my life was as good as theirs. This is an insecure kind of a relationship. But a different pattern is when somebody is very full of positivity about themselves, but they're negative about other people. And this one is called the dismissive or the avoidant kind of a relationship. And this is where somebody feels like, well, maybe I'm too good for them. They, they really are not worth my time. And so it's hard for them to really develop a sense of belonging to each other over a long period of time. And finally, the last pattern is, is difficult in that it's a, a time of fear. And maybe a person has recovered from some trauma, but it's still affecting their emotional and social relationships. So these people are fearful and they're unstable. Maybe one year they feel positive about themselves and another year, not so much. They might become falling into depression. So when there's that kind of insecurity, it's very difficult for other people to feel like they, they have a stable ground in their relationship. So again, there's secure relationships, and then there's several different kinds of insecure relationships, according to psychologists. You will belong in heaven, as if it's not good enough that you've got this community of kindred spirits. He's like, your people are there with you, working to serve the good of the human race. Beyond that spiritual community, you are going to belong in the entirety of heaven, as pictured here. Oh, it's just some weird picture of the internal organ systems of the body. You thought I was going to show you a nice field or a beautiful castle. I don't know what you think heaven looks like, but follow me for a second here. The different parts of the body belong to each other. This is from Britannica.com. Although scientists categorize groups of organs into different body systems, these systems do not work in isolation. A disorder in one system can cause other systems to break down. The human body is beautifully complex. Although each body system performs a different role, all the systems work together to keep the entire body healthy. Learning how these systems interact can help us understand how food, exercise, and disease affect more than just a single system. So we're walking around in this model of total mutual interdependence. You think, oh, I'm a part of the body, I get everything from the body. I get protection, I get food, I get oxygen, and I'm, you know, enmeshed in it. I'm a part of it, and I give everything I have to it. That would be a great state of mind to be in. So that's because it's heaven. I mean, <laughs> it sounds cool because it's actually what our destiny is, because there's that same interdependence in heaven. Actually, heaven is modeled after the human body. It's the reverse. The human body is modeled after heaven. It's the same thing. This is a quote from Divine Providence 67. Since next, since we are by creation heavens in smallest form and therefore images of the Lord, and since heaven is made up as a, of as many desires as there are angels, each of which is a person as to its form, it follows that the constant effort in Divine Providence is for each of us to become a heaven in form and therefore an image in the Lord. Can you see why I was getting tripped up before? It's like the Lord is the human form and then there's heaven that's the human form, then there's us and then each desire. It's all these macro and micro echoes of this awesome, what do they all have in common? Interdependence. Further, since this is accomplished by means of the desire for what is good and true, it is for us to become that desire. This then is the constant effort in Divine Providence. The very heart of Providence though, is that we should be in some particular place in heaven or in some particular place in the divine heavenly person and therefore in the Lord. This is what happens for people whom the Lord can lead to heaven. Since the Lord foresees this, he also constantly provides for it with the result that all of us who are allowing ourselves to be led to heaven 
are being prepared for our own places in heaven. So you, your whole life is setting you up. Everything weird and mysterious and at times very distressing that we go through is tweaking your spirit and who you are and what embodiment of a desire you become so that you end up in this perfect little place in some part of this totally interdependent heavenly community where, where it's you. That's where you've got to be because of who you are, because of the intrinsic nature of what your soul is like. Think about it like an animal with an ecological niche. This, there's all these different birds that inhabit all these different parts of the forest canopy because their food is there, the right kind of shelter is there, how, how well they can fly. Everything about them pulls them to a certain place in the ecosystem. It's not just that they get put there, it's what everything in their form calls out for is a placement there. So that's a part of your fit, but also the niche itself essentially calls out for a certain kind of organism to live there. Here's an example. You have these different creatures, a dolphin, a shark, an ichthyosaur. One of these is a mammal, one of them is a fish, one of them is a reptile. They're completely different lineages of evolution, and yet, look at that, they look the same. Why? It's because this environment, this open ocean environment, the way that the water physics are, the fluid, all that stuff, it calls out for a shape like this. So it is that your place in heaven is calling out uh, for a part, uh, for a place for you, right? You, you are written into some, how are you not going to feel like you belong when you are written into that place? So this is a place where you spiritually fit, the place is asking you to be there, and cherry on top, or, or whatever you like up there, whipped cream, is that you filling in your place actually helps the other people around you. This is from Last Judgment 12. The harmony and consequent joining together increase as the numbers increase because each new constituent there is placed between two or more others in order to connect them together. And therefore, the new element provides strength and connection. So, in the most awesome positive feedback loop, you are going to find this place that your whole life was leading you to around the people that you really love, doing the thing you love to do, and the rest of us are all going to be better for the fact that you ended up there where you belong. When we think about the subject of belonging, I like to refer to a really famous theory of developmental psychology by a man named Eric Erickson. A few decades ago, he and his wife Joan came up with a really wonderful description of how we move from infancy to our elder years going through eight stages of life. And in each of those eight stages, we have to deal with sort of a social-emotional crisis in how we relate to others and how we belong in relationships. And it's always a struggle, but hopefully we can resolve those struggles. For instance, when we're babies, we are trying to figure out which adults we can trust. Now, even before we can say anything and understand verbal language, we are figuring out do I trust this person or do I mistrust them? And within the first three years of life, we start learning about those concepts. And that can have an effect on us the rest of our lives in terms of how we relate to others. We also have a time when we're in school, our school age years, where he calls it industry versus inferiority. And it's at that time that a young person, let's say a five to 12 year old, is trying to figure out, will I belong to a group if I'm able to accomplish something? So for instance, if I can swim, maybe I can be on the swim team. If I can play soccer, maybe I can get on the soccer team. And so it's, uh, we define ourselves in terms of what we can accomplish or do. And it's a tangible, actionable thing that we can see.
And then we feel like we belong. We get to wear the t-shirt like everybody else on the team. You will belong in your own skin. Wouldn't that be nice? I feel like, okay, it's all right being me. I'm, I'm lined up and happy with who I am and what I am. You know how you get that? Connect with God. Which might seem strange, but connecting with God, who you'd think of as outside yourself, actually gives us the ultimate sense of belonging and identity. The reason why that is better than where we are now, here's a little summary according to Swedenborg. So, we are surrounded by spirits. We have a spirit in the spiritual world, and there's good spirits and evil spirits around us, keeping us in equilibrium. Evil spirits are trying to influence us, get us to want things, get us to believe things, and they think we're totally worthless, and they're just trying to lead us around through ego cravings and ideas. Whether or not they're conscious of that they're doing that or not, they're messing with us. Angels, on the other hand, are trying to pull us in the direction of God, and they love us. They think of us like a brother or a sister, and what they want to do is help inspire good feelings in us that will lead, yeah, they lead us in a direction, but it's not where they want to go. It's where the Lord wants us to go, which what does the Lord want? It's to give us the best possible life and best possible identity. You want the Lord leading you. It's much better than the ego cravings and the selfishness and the materialism jerking you around because God is the ultimate expansive freedom. And you'll see this from the nature of divine love. And the freedom and identity that we get, that we have, increases as we get closer to the Lord, which sounds counterintuitive, but this is what Swedenborg says. The more closely we are united to the Lord, the more clearly we seem to have our own identity. So you don't merge in. Yet, the more obvious it is to us that we belong to the Lord. This, like, happy paradox. He goes on, Now, since anything we do freely seems to be our own because it comes from our love, acting from our love is acting freely, as already noted, it follows that union with the Lord makes us feel that we have freedom and therefore identity. Because the Lord gives you such good stuff and such good feelings and aims that it's what you want to do. And the closer our union with the Lord, the greater our freedom and our identity. Greater freedom and identity. So you get to do what you love because you've been given these great things to love and you feel like you are yourself. The reason our identity seems clearer is that divine love by its very nature wants to give what it has to others, which means to us on earth and to angels. All spiritual love is like this, divine love most of all. Further, the Lord never forces anyone, because anything we are forced to do does not seem to be ours. Anything that does not seem to be ours cannot become part of our love and so be accepted as our own. This is why the Lord is always leading us in freedom and reforming and regenerating us in freedom. To exist from yourself is actually divine. Nothing can do that except God. However, God wants to give everything that God has to everybody. So even that sense of, I'm my own person, I'm doing this on my own, God wants us to feel that. So that, that works into the kind of happiness the Lord is trying to deliver to us. It's this happiness where, yeah, we have this belonging, we have belonging in all these different ways, and we belong in the Lord, and yet we simultaneously get this feeling of like, I'm doing this myself and we get to go in freedom and go pursue the awesome things that we love. If you want to dig into this more, we have a whole hour devoted to the complexities on this topic. See our show, How to Find Your True Self, because the Lord is not trying to trick you. The, the path that God is offering is the path that we, we always wanted, and the path of the ego is just distracting and a waste of potential. So, hey, let's do this one. 
Erickson also talked about the stage of adolescence, and during that time, he described it as a crisis of identity versus role confusion. And identity has to do with who do I think I am? And how do I define myself? And adolescents are known for trying out different kinds of identities, and they get a little bit confused. They're leaving childhood, they're moving into adulthood, they're starting to form social and sexual relationships, and they're maybe changing their clothing or their hair, um, what they study in school. And so as they're trying to figure out who they are, they know they don't want to be exactly like their parents or their big brother, but they are trying to try on, almost like trying on different hats. They are trying on different roles and they get a sense of belonging by changing those outward appearances. But as you move into young adulthood, we move from just who am I in terms of a whole group to who do I want to be intimate with? Or am I going to sort of stay isolated because I just don't trust other people? So if we choose intimacy, that could be both physical or emotional intimacy, where we share ideas as well as our, our relationships physically. And so as we make those decisions, we start committing to a feeling of belonging to maybe one other person. If we choose not to, and we stay kind of away, become almost like an island, that's more of a pattern of isolation. Uh, Erickson also talked about different social patterns of belonging as we move into our elder years, and, uh, and they have a different kind of a flavor to them. When Erickson described uh, people in their middle age years, let's say from 25 uh, to 65, he described overall that the most important sense of belonging has to do with generativity. That's a term that he coined and his wife, Joan, and they said this has to do with caring for the next generation. It might be in the form of parenting or teaching or helping out the community in some way. But generativity is that feeling of I belong to a larger group and I want to help the next generation in one way or another. And we might join a club like the Lions Club, or we might join a women's club that has dedication to helping your community. We might choose to be parents. We might choose to be active grandparents. And when we do that, that's generativity. Erickson says that unfortunately, not everybody chooses those things, or life just doesn't turn out that way. And so those folks are more in a state of stagnation. They feel like, oh, maybe life really wasn't working out the way I had hoped it would. And so they don't really feel connected. They feel pretty lonely. And they don't really know if they had a purpose in life. And they're not really focusing on what they can do with their talents to help the next generation. So they feel pretty distant from other people. And they don't really have a sense of belonging in their community. So the takeaway is, even though it doesn't seem like it, at times in life. Life can seem totally chaotic. It can seem like you are lost in the shuffle or you don't fit or somebody else doesn't fit. We are all going to find somewhere that we belong. That's the, that's the point of life. And we're going to not just, I, I'll, I'll give you not just one place you belong, but let's up it. Let's cube it, right? You're going to belong in three really meaningful ways. First of all, you're going to belong in your spiritual community. You're going to be surrounded by exactly the people who vibe with you, who can work with you to make this awesome team that's doing great things for the human race. You're also going to belong in the whole of heaven because your team is just one little part of a larger team and it's a larger team and all these systems working together. Can you imagine being part of something that cohesive and that loving that even then is looking out towards everybody else, constantly trying to bring them into happiness? That is going to be 
a sweet feeling. And then finally, you're going to belong inside yourself. In your own skin, you're going to belong in the Lord, that we are going to get this better sense of who we are, what it all means, and, and exactly what we want to be from this strengthening this connection with our source. So that sounds like a lot, and you may be saying, I don't want to miss that. How do I get in there? All you got to do is cultivate love for the common good, because that's what divine love is. That is what runs heaven. This idea that we can get excited about and, and wake up in the morning hyped about doing good for people and go out and live our life. Not that that's the only thing we're ever thinking about, but that's the thing that's our North Star. When you lock onto that, the details, the path, God can do that because that's what God in heaven can work with to lead us to exactly our particular place. So it's easy. Just work, just work to get that beaten in your heart and then the rest will take care of itself. I'm not trying to get biblical on you or anything, but for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Whatever your feelings on the Bible there, is there a better sentiment in existence? Then look, I'm going to give you hope, a future, and I'm not going to hurt you. Everything's going to be okay. And this is a great thing to keep in front of us, just the way that everything's going to be okay, that we are going to find someone, and everybody will. You think of anyone out there who you feel like, oh, they, there's some kind of misfit, or I wish that they would. Everybody is going to be right exactly where they want to be, and we're all going to be there together doing really cool things. That's a future that's uh, worth going through this life to get and just take heart in the idea that everything in life is slowly, surely moving us in that direction to this ultimate sense of belonging. Off the Left Eye is Curtis Childs, director, producer, and host. Karen Childs, writer, community manager, and host. Chelsea Odner, writer, production manager, and host. And Jonathan Rose, host and series editor of the NCE. Shada Sullivan is the voice you love in our narrations. Stuart Farmer is our technical director. Matthew Childs, our video art director. Our motion designers are Meng Jong and Jesse Johnson. Reed McArdle made our music. Devin Osblond is our production intern. Cara Dom is our Latin consultant extraordinaire. And Chris Dunn is our digital marketing magician. And you are our much-loved listener. And now you can journey with us all week. Every Monday's Swedenborgian Life episode, including this one, has a week's worth of content lined up to support you in your exploration of these life-changing ideas. All video content premieres at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, and 7 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time on the Off the Left Eye YouTube, Facebook, and Simplecast channels. On Tuesdays, find us on social media or go to offtheleftye.com to get custom downloadable art paired with the week's topic to ground you through the week. On Wednesdays, join us to dig a little deeper into the week's topic with news from heaven. On Thursdays, we want to hear from you. We'll be sharing a new reflection question weekly on our community tab and social media channels. Then join us for Swedenborg Live on Fridays for our panel Q&A show. And listen every Sunday to the Inside Off the Left Eye podcast to always know what we're up to and what you can look forward to. If you want to help sustain Off the Left Eye's operations, consider becoming a monthly donor today. And right now, we have a matching gift challenge from a very generous donor couple where dollar for dollar up to $10,000 will be matched when you make a new or increased monthly donation. You can provide a direct gift or restrict it to our new Off the Left Eye endowment fund. Giving to the endowment fund is a great way to guarantee that your gifts live on to help Off the Left Eye forever. Go to otle.cosvox.com to become part of our essential community of donors. 
From all of us here at Off the Left Eye, we thank you.